0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, what's going on, everybody? Curtis Wilkerson with hogsports.com. Coming to you today with another episode of Hog Hoops Live. The Razorbacks are 9-0. Two more dubs since the last show. They keep stacking wins, but people keep approaching with caution, it seems like. Interesting. We're going to talk about last night's win over Charlotte. We're going to preview what's a really huge opportunity for Arkansas against Oklahoma this weekend. We're going to dive into those net rankings that has everybody a little bit frazzled right now. All that and more coming your way on Hog Hoops Live. All right, as always, I want to remind you guys of, of all the ways to watch or listen. You can join us on Facebook Live. Make sure to give us a follow there. Also available on YouTube. Uh, be sure to... Hop on, subscribe to our YouTube page, hit that notification bell. Remember, Hog Hoops Live has its own YouTube page, so separate from what we have with Hog Sports Live. uh, If you're into the podcast thing, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, you can find the show right where you find Hog Sports Live every week. Also, if you're not following us uh, or subscribed with us at Hog Sports, you really need to get on that. I mean, listen, basketball is in full swing Danny's killing it with football recruiting coverage. We've got early signing period starting next week. Uh, it's transfer portal season. It's exciting stuff. we got all the bowl game coverage coming up, which, by the way, Trey's going to be in Tampa, the, I think, the entire week leading up to the Outback Bowl against Penn State. Not a bad place to be late December, early January. Tampa. The question is, is Trey going to send me to Tampa in March for the SEC basketball tournament? That's the real question, I think. Time will tell. If you got questions, comments, thoughts, any of that about the basketball team, throw them into the chat. Remember, I'll always double back and get to those towards the end like always, but let's start by talking about this Charlotte game. Really, I think there's a lot to unpack, you know, uh, another game, kind of another double digit win for this Arkansas team. You know, look, say what you want about the eye test and consistency and all that, but the Hogs are 9-0, and right? And and look, there are some things to work on, and I'm not going to hesitate to talk about them today. But my goodness, if I didn't know any better based on, you know, some of the panic that I've <laughs> I've heard over the last few days, I think Arkansas was the team who's lost to Iona or Texas Southern or Kansas City or Liberty or Coastal Carolina. I could keep going, but no, that's that's the rest of the SEC. Arkansas is still undefeated. Little perspective there. You know, last night was a 20 point win, 86 to 66, over a, a Charlotte team that I think is better than most of the groups who've come into Bud Walton Arena this season. Certainly better than any team Arkansas has faced since they left Kansas City. It's a pretty talented group. It wasn't a, a breakout performance or, or anything overwhelming, but I, I do feel um, Arkansas was just pretty solid overall. Yeah, I, I think I graded them as a B overall in the post-game report card. Um, you know, some back and forth early. I think it was about 14-14 to 14 midway through the first half. Hey, Arkansas put a 17-4 to 4 run on them, wound up taking a 41-31 to 31 lead into halftime. It was kind of interesting if, if you looked at the stats. Uh, Arkansas only shot 28% from three in the first half, 62% on free throws. That's not very good. Uh, struggled to make some shots there at times. Uh, So how did they get the 10 point lead? Well, uh, they forced twice as many turnovers as they committed and they absolutely dominated the glass. So an an 11 to 0 half on the offensive boards meant Arkansas was 14 to 0 on second chance points. Uh, That's your difference right there. You know, the Hawks took 13 more shot attempts than Charlotte in the first half. And that was a key. They came out of the break and, and had what I really believe was probably the best offensive stretch of the year. Uh, started 7-7 seven seven from the field. Five of those shots were assisted on. Uh, the ball was moving. Guys were stepping into jumpers, knocking them down with confidence. That was good to see. I thought that was a really good stretch coming right out of the break, built up, by, I think it was about a 16-point lead. Uh, and, and and this is one of the two things, honestly, that drives me nuts about this team, right, is they put it in cruise control, At that point, you know, started getting a little lax and careless offensively. We started seeing uh, just those unforced turnovers that will drive you nuts sometimes. Um, The shot selection, I thought, dipped a little bit. So, you know, they just didn't keep their foot on the gas pedal maybe as much as you'd hope they would. Uh, started losing some focus and intensity on the defensive end of the floor they, you know Charlotte was one of those teams that's going to hit you with a lot of back cuts back doors, um, a heavy screening team and and they kind of lost their assignments there for a while started giving up some easier looks way easier than they did in the first half. Um, you know the lead stayed in that 12 to 16 point range uh, for most of the half until Charlotte popped a couple threes in a row cut it to nine with just under six to play and, and force Musk to take a timeout. Now, if, if you've been following along, you know Eric Musselman doesn't like to take timeouts, but he felt like he needed to do that there. Um, I'm sure that was a, a colorful message that he delivered during that 30 seconds, but it did the job, right? And, and Arkansas has to stop doing that. Uh, you know, I, I get it. Um, and like Musk said last night, you're not just gonna outplay teams for every second of a 40 minute game, but you can step on their throat. On occasion, when you have them down, and that's kind of the thing we're waiting to see from this Razorback team. They did it against UCA. That's UCA. And we want to see them do it against these other teams. How many times this year have they built a double-digit lead, and you think, "All right, Hogs got this one covered," and then all of a sudden the team's right back in it. So a little more of a sense of urgency uh, in those situations. I think would definitely benefit them moving forward. But like I said, the timeout did the trick. Hey, Arkansas, they went into their late-game offense. I know some people don't like that, the stall ball, but it worked, right? I mean, Arkansas had driving scores from, I think, Note likes and Devo all got to the rim. They strung together some stops. They didn't stay in that stall ball the whole time. It was probably just a few possessions, and then they kind of got out of it. Uh, But, hey, when they needed to lock it in, they did close the game on a 13-2 run, One by 20 points. So, you know, nice win. I think Charlotte, they challenge teams in unique ways. They really pack it in defensively. They were doubling really hard on every post entry. So essentially they're trying to keep you away from the basket and, and off the glass and kind of force you to beat them by knocking down jumpers. And Arkansas hasn't really beaten anybody by knocking down jumpers so far. The good thing is in this game, the Razorbacks didn't take the bait. And that impressed me. You know, they were selected from three, only 13 attempts, and they only made three, which is another topic here in a few minutes. But, you know, they knew Charlotte didn't have a lot of shot blockers and rim protectors, so they really attacked the teeth of the defense, forced the issue off the bounce. They kept the ball moving. Uh, I think there were fewer periods of that stagnant, you know, ISO ton of one-on-one play. There was less of that, which was good to see. Uh, And and, hey, they got to the rack and they were really efficient. And eventually, some of those uh, shots started falling, especially the mid-range. I'll talk about Devo in a minute, but he started knocking down some of those mid-range jumpers that were just so automatic for him last year. And we've kind of been waiting to see that. And and he started hitting those. Jay Will had a nice mid-range pull-up. So some encouraging signs there. Now you just need to extend it out a little bit beyond the arc. Uh, You know, and then on the other end with the Charlotte team, I talked about it. They run that Princeton offense, just a a lot of back screens, back cuts, handoffs, ball screens, just a lot of action. And, you know, Arkansas has a lot of really good on-ball, like, individual defenders. But this really challenged them to play, I think, team defense and and become a little bit more connected. And look, they did get lax and and burned on back doors. Uh, Some of that was a little bit of a lack of focus and, and rotations at times. But you also have to remember... I know people have been getting upset lately about Arkansas getting beat on cuts, backdoor cuts, and things like that, uh, particularly the guards. But this is a team that has a really high steal rate. And, and what that means is those guards are going to get a little jumpy sometimes, looking to get aggressive, get out in the passing lane. So on occasion, they're going to get burned on those back doors. The key is, is to have the right rotations when that happens and have your guys like Jalen Williams, who's a willing charge taker, to step over and uh, kind of right the wrong when that happens. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but a little more awareness there certainly would be beneficial for them. Hogs did a pretty good job of, of defending the three. Hey, you know, 6-24, of 24, that's 25% for Charlotte. So Arkansas, at the end of the day, held them below their season average in points, field goal percentage, and three-point percentage. So... Good job. You know, a, a few players of notes uh, here. J.D. Note, 23 and 10, 9 of 18 from the field. Uh, listen, he was strong to the rim, uh, was a good finisher in there. I thought he was efficient in the lane. Showed some nice touch on, on the little runner and floater. Uh, needs to make some threes, 1 of 6. So that, that slump for him continues. Uh, four steals. He just continues to be, a, I think, a, an incredible on-ball defender one of the best in the country at this point I mean he's I know I know he's top 10 in the country in steals uh, and really accepted the challenge on the glass you know he had one rebound against Little Rock and after the game it was almost like Musselman kind of issued a challenge he said hey we we've got to get more on the defensive backboards from this guy he went out and got you 10 coach so challenge accepted I thought he did a really nice job Uh, Jay Will you know we go on and on about uh, how valuable Jalen Williams is to this team as a passer and a rebounder and a defender and he did all those things but he let everybody know last night that he can score it too if he needs to he had a career high 15 points super efficient seven of nine from the field I thought he did a great job of of being in that dunker spot Arkansas guards drive it he's got his hands up and and hands ready to catch the pass and finish like I said he knocked down that that mid-range he had eight rebounds here we go again get Jalen Williams a double-double come on he got the 15 points needed two more rebounds like JD come on man you're a guard did you really need to grab those two rebounds let the man get his double double I joke but I really want him to get it somebody somebody actually asked him after the game like Jalen man you've been you know like a point or two or a rebound or two away from a double-double a crazy number of times is that frustrates you. And, and you know, he said, nah, I'm just kind of out there playing. He's not that aware of his stats, but you know he wants it. I want it for him. Come on. He also had three steals, which uh, I think is really impressive for a, a center, power forward center. He had one that he got in the open floor and took it coast to coast for a dunk. So really good game for him. Devo, 18 points. Uh, You know, he had that mid-range fall, and like I said, set a career high for the second consecutive game. He had eight assists. He had seven against Little Rock. He had eight in this game. Uh, Did have five turnovers. You know, some of that was guys not being ready to receive the pass, and Musselman noted that afterwards. Like, hey, Devo is a guy that's going to – he plays with a lot of freedom, and, and admittedly, he needs to rein it in a little bit. He gets a little too flashy at times, tries to do a little too much, and you get some of those head scratching unforced turnovers so yeah okay need to cut down on that a little bit but it's also what makes him unique and, and what I think makes him a special playmaker the guy's got to be ready to receive that pass and finish so it was a mixture of those um, either way five t- uh, turnovers is definitely too many but listen after the way he started the season uh, why well, I really think he's turned the corner and, and you know he doesn't need to be Chris Paul right I mean when he's And He's playing with ball-dominant guys like J.D. and Chris likes as much as he is. I'm really impressed with the production he's had in the last few games. And if he's getting his assists within the flow of the offense and keeping the ball moving, when we know those two guys, uh, and they're capable of of moving the ball as well, and they've been doing a better job of that, but they can also get a little dribble happy and and things get clunky and stagnant. But if Devo's facilitating things and keeping that ball moving – Andy's he's racking up the assist numbers, and he's scoring, and he's defending the the other team's best guard. I don't know what more you can ask of the kid. So I, I think he's definitely taking a step forward. There's room to grow in that position, but you gotta be happy with where he's at right now. A lot happier than you were maybe uh, you know, over the Thanksgiving holiday or around that trip to Kansas City. Chris Likes took a step forward defensively. Must really talked about how how he was a menace on the ball. That's good. That's been an area of weakness for him. Um, hey, Arkansas shut down Jameer Young, the Charlotte guard. This is a guy who came in averaging 20 a game. He's a hooper. If, if you watched that game and, and saw him in person, um, he's a really gifted scorer. Arkansas held him to 10 points on 4 of 14 shooting. It was a combination of guys. Devo had him. JD guarded him. Likes. It wasn't even his assignment, but he kept matching up with him. And, you know, Muscle's like, hey, he's, he's doing a good job, so I'm not going to say anything about it. But uh, those three guys really stepped up in that situation. And, you know, that's something that Arkansas really likes to do under Muscleman is eliminate the other team's best player. They did that in this game. So good sign. But aside from those four guys, really, that was basically it. And, and they're still, I think we're still waiting for this team to be fully locked in on the same night. And that, that's that's one of the issues. That's one of the concerns right now is just consistency. Audis Tony, as good as he's been, he took one shot. That's wild. He got to the to the free throw line twice, but, and I know they don't run plays for him, but you got to get that guy more than one shot. Stanley Amude, you know he's kind of had those breakout performances in the last few games. Scoreless, really, nothing. 0 of six. Had a dunk, blocked, only played 10 minutes. You can't have that. You got to have more consistency from these guys who are supposed to be your major producers. And, and Tony's, I think, was a blip on the radar. He's been phenomenal all year. But we've seen those up and downs with Stanley. Uh, well, you, you sure would like to have a lot more of that really good stand than, than the, than the no show because Arkansas is a lot better team when he's playing well. You know, Connor was all right in his time. Uh, you know charlotte had a seven footer he blocked his shot a couple times had a dunk um and he was three or five from the field he only played eight minutes though good in in his role in that limited action and there wasn't really enough i don't think to go off with the other guys i i do those player grades after every game and you know a number of other guys played but there's there just wasn't enough to evaluate them on um you know, Jackson Robinson, he's been playing about 15 minutes a game. He only played five. I thought he did some good things in there. He he did pull up for a mid-range in transition on the break. If you're going to do that, you better step up and knock that shot down. If you're not going to go to the rim and you're going to pull up in that situation, you better make it, and he did, which was good. Uh, missed his three-point attempt. I thought he did some, some okay things defensively, but he was also in there when Charlotte made their little run. Uh, so we'll see how his role evolves. Look, it was good. To see KK get in there at the end and knock down a three, I think he's gonna to have to take advantage of those small opportunities. Uh, you know, the last couple games he's gotten in there in those opportunities and hasn't done well. You know, against in the Little Rock game, you know, he got in and, and fouled a three point shooter. In this game, he got in and made a three. So that's progress. I think Arkansas needs either Trey Wade or Kamani Johnson to be able to step up and give him. I don't know. Nothing crazy. 8 to 10 minutes a game, especially on those nights where the matchup doesn't favor Connor Vanover. Neither one of those guys have particularly impressed me so far. Um, you'd like them to both be physical. They don't they don't have to score a bunch of points, but you got to be physical in there on the glass, defend, uh, and just keep the ball moving and, and keep the flow of the offense going. That's all you need from them right now. And if you get anything above that, that's great. That's a win. So both of them have been been getting a rotation per game and then haven't really been getting in beyond that. And and I think if they were doing uh, the things that were asked of them or the things that are hoped of them, we'd probably see them a little bit more maybe in the second half. You know, we we are, we're getting ready to go into game 10. We're kind of waiting to see if this team uh, can put a full 40 minutes together. And that's part of the process. You know, but as the competition heats up, and and it starts this weekend, and you got a couple more non-conference games, and then it gets real in SEC play. You can't afford to have these these long lapses and down swings uh, that have plagued them a little bit. You don't want the roller coaster. You want to you want to ride a steady wave. Um, so some improvements can be made, I, I think, on that end. Uh, and part of it's you just have to have a, a better idea of what you're getting from these guys from night to night. You know, a lot of people have asked me about, you know, what's up with muscleman subbing patterns and, and the rotations? You know, what's going on? It's it's sporadic. Well, I think that's because the play of the guys is sporadic and inconsistent. If, if you don't know what you're going to get from night to night, it's kind of hard to build a rotation. You know, I think you've got four guys right now you know jd Jay will Aldis. um okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe
1: iXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get iXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com audio. Visit iXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
0: Yeah, I well, maybe just three. Uh, but, but guys who, who you can, you know, Oh, Devo. Yeah. So four. So guys that you can get consistent, kind of know what you're going to get. You feel pretty good about the production. Uh, Then outside of that, you don't you don't really know, like you don't know if Connor is going to be able to contribute for you until the game starts and you just see how the matchups play out. Uh, You know, we've seen Chris and Stanley be guys who can take over a game. And you've also seen them be guys who, you know, kind of kind of don't show up. And then, you know, we talked about that back end. Musselman's been trying to find, I think, that eighth guy in the rotation. Who's it going to be? Is it is it Jackson Robinson? Is it Trey Wade? Is it, you know, does KK round into form? Um, I don't know. Like, here we are mid-December, and we're not really sure who that is yet. So, again, part of the process, still some things to figure out, but it's time for them to start getting figured out, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, the three-point shooting. Look. Three of 13 against Charlotte, I, I, what are they, about 28% at this point on the year? Um, it, it's an issue. you know. They're limiting attempts. I, the shot selection has been better. I've been tracking it every game in terms of where the shots are coming from. Are they open or contested? Are they uh, off the dribble or catch and shoot, which is a better look? Um, it's been better. And you'd like to think that at some point, if they keep taking good shots, that they're going to start to fall. And honestly, it, it, it's about time to stop with the labor pains and show us the baby, right? I mean, look, I'll say this. If, if you're not going to be able to shoot the three consistently, you at least better be able to defend it consistently. Otherwise, I mean, you find yourself trading twos for threes and, and we can do the math, You know, teams are already really packing it in and trying to shrink the floor on Arkansas because they're so good in the paint and getting to the rim. Um, The the problem is these teams right now aren't talented enough to stop Arkansas from imposing their will, I guess is what I'm saying. And and listen, I'm not saying Arkansas won't be able to do that in SEC play. They very well may. I mean, it's a very talented team. There's a reason they came into the season – ranked as high as they are in the preseason. The thing is, um, SEC teams are going to be a lot more talented, so it's going to be a lot more difficult for Arkansas to do the things that they're doing currently to win if they're not knocking down some threes. And, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, and I've talked about this. They don't have to knock down 10 to 12 a night. They don't have to shoot 40% from three, but you have to be a threat, enough to be respected, enough to keep teams from shrinking the floor on you. Uh, hopefully they catch some fire here soon I mean, and we we like to say hey listen jd note is a good shooter we know that but he's getting into a pretty deep slump here man so hey if if you want to heat up at any time i I think we'd all be okay with it and and then you just need some consistency from other guys there aren't a lot of guys shooting them really now that they've kind of limited some of the attempts i mean note and likes are pretty high volume guys when jackson robinson is in there he'll shoot them but then after that I mean, who is it? You know, I I think Audis Tony, as good as he is as a cutter, he's a guy who's been a pretty consistent, uh, you know, somewhat proven catch and shoot guy from the corner. He can help you there. Stanley Amude can help you there. Just just two or three attempts a game, if you can create good attempts, Uh, and then the big guys. That that was one of the things that was really intriguing about this team is is you have guys like Connor and Jalen Williams, who, in theory, uh, can be pick-and-pop guys, stretch bigs, uh, and that puts a lot of pressure on def- defenses. If they have to take their center out of the lane and bring them onto the perimeter because they have to respect the opposing team's center as a shooter, that opens the floor for Notay, Likes, and everybody else to drive in there and, and get buckets around the rim. So uh, you want those guys to take those shots, you want Connor to take those shots, but you need him to be better than one of 11 or one of 12 or whatever he is right now. So it, it's a concern, you know, it, it really is. They're getting good looks and they're not falling right now. Um, hopefully it starts trending in a little bit better direction. Uh, but again, it, it, it is, it is nitpicking, right? Because Arkansas is nine and zero at this point, there are very few teams that can say that. Uh, and, you know, talk about the schedule and everything and we'll talk about it a little bit more in a, in a minute I want to talk about those net rankings but first I think you're set up now this weekend for a, an intriguing uh, and really important game you know it, it it's kind of interesting in Musselman's first year Arkansas started 8-0 and and then they lost at Western Kentucky last year they started 9-0 and and then they lost to Missouri well they're 9-0 and now so if you want to keep one up in yourself, must and you know then Arkansas has got to go and win probably its biggest test of the year so far against a, a, a better than expected Oklahoma team that's at the, the BOK center in Tulsa, that would get them that 10 and O mark. I guess by that logic though, if the pattern holds and Arkansas beats Oklahoma and gets to 10 and0, then they would need to lose the next weekend to Hostra, right? We don't necessarily want that to happen. Maybe they should just break the trend now, now that I think about it. Whatever. Anyway, the Sooners, hey, this is a, this is an interesting game, not just because of what's going on on the court. I mean, there's some storylines here. Um, everybody remembers David Patrick, a personal friend of mine. He came over from UC Riverside. He was the associate head coach for Arkansas last year. If you remember, he stepped in when Muscles in the COVID protocols as, as the interim led Arkansas to a win over Abilene Christian right before Christmas, which became a big win. I mean, Abilene Christian won an NCAA tournament game. Uh, so that was a big one. Uh, David Patrick, he dipped out in the offseason, went and joined Porter Moser, who's over at Oklahoma now. Uh, not only that, you know, Arkansas had one of the top-ranked junior college power forwards in a Colma wine. Uh, he was signed with Arkansas, backed out, followed David Patrick to Norman. Uh, you know, I mean, it seems kind of shady or whatever on the surface, but he committed to Patrick more than he did Arkansas. Those guys had a longstanding relationship. It was a, a mutual release out of that letter of intent. It's still interesting though. Marvin Johnson. I know you guys remember that name because you, you asked me about him probably 1000 times in the spring. Uh, this is a guy who was essentially a silent commit to Arkansas out of the transfer portal um the hogs wound up filling some other needs he wound up going to oklahoma uh, the, the only thing that kind of stinks about it because it is some cool storylines there, there's some intrigue there but neither him you know neither marvin or a at this point are playing much a few minutes a game hopefully we see him on saturday but you know at any rate this kind of felt like it might be a bridge year for oklahoma just it's the first season under porter moser Uh, you remember him that's the coach that killed it at Loyola Chicago all those Cinderella runs shout out sister Jean right Uh, they did some pretty good work though when when Moser came over to Oklahoma in the portal and they've gotten off to a pretty solid start to the season they were receiving votes in the top 25 I was kind of hoping they'd get ranked uh, before they met Arkansas but they were just receiving votes they were actually ranked ahead of Arkansas in the initial net rankings that we're going to talk about in a second um but that's actually changed since they were released. Arkansas is ahead of them a little bit now. But They took a neutral site loss uh, to Utah State. That's nothing to be ashamed of. 1-7 uh, of their first eight. Notched a pretty impressive win over Florida. Doesn't look quite as good now after Florida got spanked by 0-7 Texas Southern the other day, which I just don't know how that happened. guys. something like that happened to Arkansas, I would literally take a vacation day. To avoid social media and the message boards, it would be it would be an absolute mess. But Oklahoma did play; they played Butler uh, actually at home last night. They lost that game, sixty-six to sixty-two, in overtime. It was a good game. Uh, we were in the press conference waiting on Muss afterwards, and, and that game was just hitting overtime. So we kind of had an eye on that. And Musk came in; we're talking to him, looking back down at the score. So it was interesting. I wish Oklahoma would have won because. Uh, that actually dropped them from number 38 to number 53 in the net, which is significant because that that moves it from a quad one to a quad two game. I'll explain that in a minute. It's fluid, though. It's something that can change over the course of the year. Still a big opportunity for Arkansas. Uh, you know, the first thing that stands out to me in this matchup is, is it's kind of uh, the battle between the hybrid big men. And Jalen Williams, we know all about him. Versus Oklahoma's Tanner Groves, and if that name is familiar to you, Groves is a six ten kid from Eastern Washington that went nuts against Kansas last year. He he gave him thirty. Um, he's a really nice player. He's averaging fifteen and six. Really high field goal percentage. He can stretch the floor a little bit from three. Um, I don't know that Connor can guard him. That's that's not really an ideal matchup at all. I think this is a Jay Will assignment. Um, You know, from there, uh, a little undersized, Oklahoma is, but talented. They got a Duke transfer named Jordan Goldwire. Uh, He kind of mans the point guard position, kind of a combo guard. Uh, He's solid, 10 points, four assists per game. Uh, He's about 6'3", could be a good matchup for J.D. Uh, They have a really good combo guard in Emoja Gibson, if you remember that name. We've seen him before. He's a really good player for North Texas before transferring over to Oklahoma. Definitely their best three-point shooter, most high-volume guy. Uh, I could see Devo or JD spending a lot of time on him. Uh, Elijah Harkless on the wing, 6'3". So all, all three of those guards are, are 6'3", 6'1", 6'1". So a little smaller, kind of like Arkansas is, honestly, if they're playing likes with Notay. So the, the matchups work there. Harkless is more of an off the bounce guy. Any guard who wears number 55 bothers me. I, I don't know why I'm that way, but it's just always been weird to me. It's a center's number. But the big men have the big numbers. Come on. Probably a good matchup for Audis, that guy. Jalen Hills, their four-man, 6'6", 220. So not, not a big power forward. So if Arkansas wants to go small and use Tony at the four or, or Stanley Amude, should be able to do that okay. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma pretty balanced offensively, they're pretty good field goal percentage, um, above average, I think from three, they rebounded pretty well. Uh, a little offensively challenged. They're, they're okay. Top 75-ish And Ken Palm. Uh, they've been really solid on the defensive end for the most part, holding opponents to about 60 points. They held Butler to 66 in an overtime game, they just couldn't score. So I think they're, I'm pretty sure they're top 30 or close to it in, in defensive efficiency. So they'll challenge Arkansas's offense. Uh, I do think Arkansas is going to be the best team Oklahoma has played. I'm not sure if Oklahoma is going to be the best team Arkansas has played. It's going to be close. I, I thought Cincinnati was really good, um, but it's definitely going to be a good test. For the Razorbacks and you know some of the early projections for this game it, it sounds like it's going to be a dogfight you know Kim Palm has Arkansas winning 73 to 70 Torvik actually has Oklahoma winning 71 to 70 shot quality has it as as a virtual tie ESPN's BPI has Oklahoma favored by 2.1 points so should be a good one good opportunity to boost that non-conference resume it's a good neutral site you know must said last night it's an hour 45 from Fayetteville it's an hour 45 from Norman let's see which fan base shows up better that's a challenge to you Razorback fans get to Tulsa should be a cool atmosphere the the neutral site thing I really enjoyed it in Kansas City um especially that first night you know Kansas State's pretty close and uh it was a, a fairly even crowd. I thought I thought both sides were rowdy. That was fun. It gives you that tournament atmosphere. That's what you want. That's why you play these games. Like I mentioned, it is a quad two opportunity for Arkansas right now with the potential to improve as the year goes ro- along, which that kind of leads me into the last thing I want to talk about, which is those net rankings that were released on Monday. And, and just for a reminder on how that works and why it's important, the net – kind of replace the RPI as as the top tool that's used by the NCAA tournament committee for selection and seeding so it's a big deal Um, it uses game results the opponents you play the location all these different factors to kind of create a rankings formula and then games are broken down into four different quadrants so uh, a quad one is the highest profile game like when Arkansas travels to Alabama that's a big time game. That's going to be a quad one, right? Based on where they're ranked in the net, um, quad two, pretty good game. Quad three, eh, not so much. Quad four are are kind of the stinkers, right? So you want more Q ones and twos than you do threes and fours. I, I would say take it with a grain of salt right now uh, because it's a predictive. But everything's still fluid with this; it adjusts. So just because Oklahoma is going to be a quad-two game for Arkansas on Saturday doesn't mean that's going to be the case in March. If so Oklahoma plays well, they move up in those net rankings, and that's going to adjust, right? And I think that's really important. You think about last year, you know, when Arkansas played at the time, you know, Oral Roberts and North Texas and Abilene Christian. Everybody's just kind of like, huh shoulder shrug whatever but at the end of the year when when those teams had won their league and jumped up that net ranking that really boosts Arkansas's resume so maybe you'll see some of that uh, you know this year and then also you got to consider you know and and we'll talk about Arkansas's issues with these net rankings here in just a sec but that strength of schedule is going to spike come SEC play like there's going to be a, natu- a natural uptick in in the level of competition that you're playing and that's gonna help that net ranking assuming you know you don't bottom out and lose a bunch of games right but the hogs did come in lower in the debut than they did at any point last year i I think arkansas i want to say they debuted at 23 or 24 last year and they only went up from there um They debuted at 44 this time around. They've actually moved up to 38 since Monday. Uh, Why is that the case? I mean, quite honestly, the home slate for the Hogs has drug them down so far. Uh, All seven home games have been quad fours. Um, That ain't great. (laughs) Only East Carolina has played more quad four opponents. They played eight. Arkansas has played seven. So, you know, for those seeking validation that, you know, the schedule has been pretty soft early on. And there you go. The beauty is, like I said, these things can fluctuate. These games can look a lot better and be more beneficial for the resume in March than they are right now. If you think big picture, you know, for example, uh, to move up to a quad three for these home games, then, then whoever Arkansas has played just has to move into the top one sixty of the rankings. So if you look at Gardner webb, uh, they're at number 161 right now, so they could win one game and move up. All of a sudden, that's a quad three instead of a four. Mercer, they beat Coastal Carolina or somebody the other day, and they jumped 45 spots, and they're they're at number 164 now. So uh, it's, it's very fluid, and when you have a small sample size, big jumps can happen. So, you know, uh, I think some of that's going to even out, but that's what's dragging them down right now. It's just those quad four games are getting them. And and then again, remember, this is an evaluation tool for seeding. So, you know, when Joe Lenardi drops the Hogs from uh, a three seed to a six seed the other day and and people get upset about it. Well, what you have to remember, he is trying to predict what the selection committee would do if they were to release a bracket at that point. And so when you have that huge data point, like the net rankings come out and it has Arkansas slid back, then naturally he's going to slide him back as well. But at the end of the day, all they have to do is keep stacking wins to be perfectly honest. I mean, if you look at the front half of the SEC schedule and the SEC is tough this year, I, th- I think, and we'll see if I'm right. I think it's pretty top heavy in terms of top half. I think the top seven, or eight teams are really really good uh, and might beat up on each other but i also think there's five or six teams at the bottom of the league that are really going to struggle and arkansas gets a lot of them early in the conference slate in january so and then things really on the flip side of that is things really pick up in february and you've got a brutal stretch in the year but arkansas just continues to handle their business continue to make improvements start knocking down some shots it's it's feasible and honestly, they probably should get to a point where they're twenty and two or or nineteen and three head into the final stretch. And I, I know that sounds like, oh, that's a pretty bold prediction. That's a great record, but look at the schedule. They're gonna be favored in a majority of those games. So if, if they're able to do that, they're gonna be sitting really pretty when we're talking about uh, you know, the AP poll and, and the net rankings and bracketology and all that when they then have an opportunity down the stretch to really pad that resume, you're gonna have all these quad one games. Losing them, you might take a little bump, but it's not gonna hurt you. Winning them is gonna give you a big boost. Uh, So I I think it sets up pretty nicely. We know, you know, historically, Musselman's teams have played a lot better towards the end of the year than they do at the beginning. They improve as the season goes along. He figures them out. And if, if that's gonna be the case this year, I think they're going to be in a really good spot. We'll see. All right. Looks like we got a few questions and comments. Let me see if I can pull those up real quick. There we go. MP Rich says Woo Pig Suey from SoCal. I'm jealous. Honestly, Arkansas has avoided a lot of the crazy super cold weather so far knock on wood there's been a few days there but it's 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 actually been pretty nice so far i like it i remember last year i can't remember if it was i guess it was after christmas is january or february we had just that crazy period where it was nearly a foot of snow it was like nine or ten inches of snow and for a few days it was like negative 10 outside like we're in canada or something i moved south from st louis to get away from that so i, I could do without that for sure Michelle Ravis says 9-0 is outstanding. I agree. There's There are 12 undefeated teams left in the country. Arkansas is still one of them. And when you get to this point in the season, you can say that. That's impressive. It doesn't matter who you've played. And I get it. You know, we just talked about those quad four games. And, you know, that, that's not the sexiest schedule in the world. But they've won every one of those games by double digits, whether it's been pretty or not. And then they went and tested themselves on a neutral site and they won both of those games on nights where they didn't shoot worth a darn. They, they found other ways to win against quality competition. So that does give you, I think, a little bit more optimism uh, that even if they have those nights in SEC play where they are struggling to knock down three-pointers, uh, that they can still find ways to you know, dig their heels in and, and win on defense or win on the backboard. So could the resume be a little bit better so far? Sure. But... Are there a lot of encouraging things and and signs based on what they've done? Yeah, I think so. Brian Webb says, anybody know if you need negative COVID tests or proof for the Little Rock game at at Simmons? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure about that. That hasn't been a thing at at Fayetteville. Um, I think they've required a mask to get in to the arena. I don't know that it's, it's necessarily been enforced once you're in there, but... Uh, I'm not sure what the protocols are at Little Rock. Um, we'll probably have another show between now and then, and and I bet I'll get some information, some media information, and if uh, if I hear anything about that, I'll let you know next week. Gary Dimmitt says overall we look good, but we'll have to shoot the three better to beat really good teams. Uh, who can we count on to consistently hit them? And that's the thing. Uh, it's one thing to say that a team is just slumping from three and, and, and they're going to figure it out. And then it's another to look at it and go, who's going to who's going to do this? Like, who's the guy going to be that's going to really step up? <clears throat> and here's the thing. I think that you're going to wind up having better production from J.D. Note and Chris Likes from three. But make no mistake, those two guys are very streaky. So there will be nights maybe like we saw against Northern Iowa where Arkansas freaks out and and knocks down 10 or 12 threes and those guys combine for seven or eight of them. There are also going to be nights like we've seen lately uh, where they're cold. And when that happens, the question is who steps up and knocks them down from there. And and if you look at the rotation, uh, there's not a lot of high-volume guys out there. Uh, and, you know, like I said, Tony is a guy, you know, he's over the last couple years, he's made a, a, about one, a little over one per game. Stanley Mude is the same way. Uh, so you, you'll probably get some here and there from them, but they're not necessarily going to be high volume guys. Um, trying to think my way through the rotation here. Uh, Devo, you like Devo getting to the rim, shooting that mid range. I don't care if he ever shoots another three. Personally, I, I think the threes look better. Uh, when he's got his feet set and he's not pulling up off the dribble, he's taken some ill-advised ones, not lately, but earlier on. Uh, and and you'll get a handful more from him, but it's not going to be anything crazy or consistent. You think about the bigs. We talked about Connor, the way he struggled out there. You would like to think he'd get it going. We've seen him rattle off a bunch of threes in a row, but it's been a while. Uh, and like I said, I think he's one of 11 or one of 12 so far, you know, uh, Got to have an uptick there. Jalen Williams, I think, is a guy that that could provide you a little boost, uh, but again, he's not going to go out there and and you know attempt five a game. So I don't know where the volume comes from. And you look down the rotation, and really, the only two guys I see that could could really give you an uptick there are the Robinsons, Jackson and KK. Um, Jackson's gotten some looks, and so far he hasn't cashed in. And and you know, like I said earlier, it, at some point. We need to stop talking about shots looking good and, man, it looks pretty and I think it's going to fall, and I need to start falling. And I think he's got, got it in him, obviously, to be a really good shooter. I mean, it's such a fluid release, talking about Jackson. Got to make him when you have the opportunities. And, and the more games go along, if he's going you know, 0 of 3 or 1 of 5, he can do a lot of other things pretty well, but his name, his number has been called to come in there and fix what's l this team. And if he's not doing that, then those minutes are going to continue to decrease. So he's got to take advantage of those opportunities. He's going to have to, to go off one night and go three of four or four of six. And he's got it in him. We need to see it. I think that could be a guy that could get you some volume. Um, and then KK, you know, he's got to come with some more confidence. I, we talked about it earlier. He's going to have to, I think, produce in short spurts because that's what he's getting right now and force Musselman's hand to give him a second rotation. Force him to put KK in the game in the first half. Do your job. Knock down a shot. Don't foul a three-point shooter. Uh, you know, Play your role. Do a good enough job to where in the second half, when he looks down on that bench for somebody to come in for Devo when he picks up a third or fourth foul, and he looks to you and says, all right, let's give you another shot. And then you take advantage of that because I'm sure he's playing well in practice enough to, to get opportunities at all, but you got to start stringing together the good performances. I think he's a guy that could help you from three uh, when he's confident. I, I really like the way he stepped into that one last night off the handoff. But that's it, in my opinion. So I, I don't – I don't I think that this team will wind up shooting a better percentage than it is right now, 28. That, that's ridiculous. I think they can get to – the 30 to maybe 33 percent range i know it's not great but it's an uptick but i don't see a lot of consistent volume you get no 10 likes hot they can rattle off 10 on a night but for the most part i think we're probably looking at that five to eight range bobby brown jr says what's the deal with kka yeah I, i think we've covered it you know i think that he was maybe pressing a little bit, overthinking a little bit. You know, he's, he's probably looking at the depth chart going, man, I've, I've got to take minutes from either Devo or JT, JD or Chris Likes." And those are three really good, really talented and experienced players, um, proven guys. And so it's kind of a hard rotation to crack. Uh, I think he's just got to go out there and, and play his role. And again, take advantage of the opportunities that he has there, there could be ways to carve out, uh, you know, a, a role for him in more consistent minutes. But he's going to have to really show it, and he's going to have to beat out. I think probably a guy like a, a Jackson Robinson, or uh, maybe just make it to where, you know, uh, the trickle down effect where where Trey Wade or Kamani just aren't really factored in because you can only play so many guys. And we know Mus is going to go probably about seven deep. That eighth gate, uh, the the eighth guy or the ninth guy uh he'll play them but it's not going to be that consistent and and in those tight games and sec play tournament play he's six or seven deep and right now you're seeing a pretty clear seven man rotation and he's just trying to figure out who the next guy is so kk needs to be that guy if he wants to get the opportunities Isaac Riley said, Missed some of the show, but glad I could hop on for a while. woo Pig Sui, keep up the amazing content. Curtis, I appreciate that. You can always go back and listen. It'll be on the YouTube channel, the Hulk Hoops Live YouTube channel. Um, Be uploaded on the podcast here shortly. Ryan Horn says, We have to get better, but I believe in this coaching staff. Any news on Anthony Black? (laughs) No, No, no real news on Anthony Black. Um... I think it's probably just going to take some time with him. Again, I I think you know right now we're looking at at probably an Oklahoma State lean. Um, I think I said last week though, if I was Arkansas, I I would continue to kick the tires with him. Arkansas is heavily recruiting one of his teammates, Ron Holland, um, over there at Duncanville. And, And if you're going to be a presence at Duncanville, you might as well keep recruiting Anthony Black because the early signing period is past. He hasn't announced a commitment. Um, and he could at any point, but he can't sign until what April. So, an opportunity if if you're still interested uh, to continue to build a relationship, because you never know what's going to happen elsewhere. Just because he's trending towards Oklahoma State right now, and if you know if I had to place a prediction, I'd say that's where he's going to wind up. But remember, they're on probation that with the NCAA tournament violate or uh, ban, and it wouldn't impact him the following year. But how's that team going to respond throughout the course of the year when they don't really have anything to play for? Uh, do things go south, they have a bunch of transfers? I'm not saying they will, but you never know. And if things go south there and he decides to look at other options, if you've been a presence, then maybe you're in a good spot at that point. So uh, no, no real news. And and I think probably still OSU, but if I was Arkansas, I'd stay on him. Andrew Sawyer says, what do you think about Stanley? I, i love him i think he's underachieving right now uh super gifted i mean he's a guy that elevates and can really create his own shot i think he's really good uh from from kind of that 15 foot radius and in uh, and i think he can stretch it out and and be a pick and pop guy for you i like his three-point shot when he's got his feet set when he's got open looks <clears throat> he's got some work to do defensively, something I've noticed a little bit more lately guarding the perimeter. Um, but he's, you know, he's got the ability to be a guy that can score for you in double figures consistently, but he's got to do it And, and, you know, still settling in. And it's kind of been a challenge for him because he's been playing the three, the four and the five at different times. So I, I don't, think he's really settled into a role because it continues to change based on who else is in there with him uh, but it's it's just been really up and down you know he, he broke out I think he had 19 one game um, well up into the teens the next game and then was down to nine the other day held scoreless last night uh, you know he'll play 30 minutes one game played 10 the other night so I think he's just trying to find his way and, and find consistency. And Arkansas needs him. I think if they're going to reach their potential this year, they need Stanley Mude to be good and consistent. Kevin Mercer says, KK and Jackson Robinson are going to be big for the Hogs and SEC play, both shoot the three ball well. Yeah, we talked about that. I hope so. I hope, I hope that they can prove themselves enough to carve out enough of a role to make enough of an impact from 3 for this team to to kind of solve some of that issue. MP Rich, MP Rich says it's just me or is Vanover moving up and down the court much smoother than last year. You know he really is. He really is. He Vanover is a better player overall than he was last year. There's no doubt in my mind. Um I think he's healthier. He's carrying better weight. He is moving better up and down the floor. I think his stamina and endurance and strength are better. Um, you know, he's really been, I think, pretty good at, at being assertive around the rim, a little bit more aggressive even when he's not finishing. He's been doing a good job of getting to the foul line more. We saw some of those block shots last night, which he, he really wasn't blocking a ton before, but uh, maybe he's getting a little bit of that timing back. You'd like to see him rebound better. You don't want your seven-three guy in there. Even he's only playing eight to ten minutes. You got to get more than one rebound. Uh, so a little bit more aggressive there would be nice. And uh, make three, big man. You're a unicorn. And that, that, that's the reason why everybody was so excited when he initially signed. If you remember that first red-white game that he played in, is is before he became eligible, but he could play in that. He was out there stroking it. And you know we've we've seen him in practices and. Even in games, really knock down those threes, and I like that he's, you know, taking the the unique link that he has in the paint more. But man, you'd really like him to start knocking down those threes too, because he could solve a lot of those issues as well if he gets it going. Aaron Anderson says, if we struggle from the perimeter in SEC play, we might have a tough time. Have to get our percentage up more, preferably around thirty-three percent. Yeah, the, the higher the better. I agree with that. The higher the better. We talked about why. Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult, and again, not saying Arkansas can't make their living and, and win a bunch of games in SEC play by attacking the rim, the offensive glass, second chance points, and all that. Uh, but it's, it's a different level of athlete and physicality in the SEC, so it's going to be more of a challenge. Um, and you really don't want teams to pack the paint and shrink the floor on you and get away with it. Luther Shatty says, "I really think Connor Vanover is going to be a really good player. Hopefully, it's matchup dependent with him. Um, but he, I mean, if he's going to earn those starts, you'd like to see him be able to get more than the first rotation of each half. <clears throat> Maybe get a second one if if he could, if he's producing well enough to where he's playing 12 to 15 minutes per game. I think more often than not, Arkansas is going to win." Uh-oh, lost my place there. There we go. Lee Rissner says, what happened to Note's three shooting? I don't know. Um, you know, really, I mean, and he takes, the thing about Note is he's notorious for the heat check. So if he knocks one down, you can pretty much guarantee that he's going to pull one up on the next possession. Uh, he has not been good at those. He's really struggled uh, pulling up off the dribble from three especially when he's coming off the ball screen he'll and he'll just pull up and, and pop one those haven't been fallen he's a lot better catch and shoot Um, I think if his shot selection from three improves and it's been a little bit better lately uh, that percentage is going to go up but but we also know that he's just a creator he's a gunner that's what he does Um, you know over the course of his career he hasn't been a ridiculously high percentage shooter but He's been high volume and well over 30%. He's a lot better than he's shown so far. Got to get it going. Dustin Hoofman says, Musselman is great at making in-game adjustments and week to week. His players and teams usually get better and better throughout the year. Yeah, 100% true. We, we talked about that a little bit with how the schedule kind of lays out. You, you want to you know learn your lessons in winning, which is what they're doing right now. Uh, and make improvements and take advantage of of the good stretches of the schedule and be playing your best basketball at February when things really heat up. And Aaron Anderson says, Mus is the best coach I've seen at at game planning and in-game adjustments. That alone helps us tremendously. It's true. He's going to identify the strengths of this team and maximize them. And he's going to identify the weaknesses and do everything he can to take them away. And it's the same thing, kind of the same mantra that he operates with with the game plan from opponent to to opponent, how can we take away the other team's best player? He usually has a pretty good idea. They, I thought they did a really nice job with what they did on Jameer Young last night. You know, what does this team do very well? How can we take it away? Make them beat us in another way? Uh, you know, he's very very good at, at that very thing. So, no real doubt in my mind that they're going to figure it out. All right. I think that about does it. it's so all the questions and comments, that's that's good. Pretty good stopping point for the day, I think. Um, again, big one on Saturday. Hey, Arkansas is 9-0, looking to move to 10-0. and uh, Got Oklahoma, that neutral side at Tulsa. If you can get out there, I'm sure there are still tickets available. I go. I, I think it's going to be a really cool atmosphere. Um, believe that game's on ESPN2 if you're going to watch it on TV. 1230, so kind of a unique start time, but 1230 in the afternoon. Uh, should be a good one, and and then Arkansas is on um, a little bit of a bye next week, so I think it's it's finals week, maybe, um, so they don't play again until the following Saturday. Um, I'll probably still jump in sometime midweek next week, either Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see. Uh, do another episode, maybe just kind of a recap episode of, of what we've seen through ten games, and, and see if we can really dive into what's going on with this team, and uh, maybe give a little bit more of an extended preview. So kind of more of a more of an overview show maybe next week unless something crazy happens uh with the Oklahoma game over the weekend. But hey as always, appreciate you guys joining in. Um it's been Curtis Wilson with Hog Sports and we'll talk to you next time.